Start off by Joel 2, 28 through 29. This is a scripture you guys know. He's speaking of the last days. I'll pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's something we've heard a lot of. I didn't, I think it's First Timothy. There's a scripture I've been reading over the years, and I would read it, and I would see a lot of the things in there were characteristics of the culture today. Many, many, many things. And it was talking about the last days. And I'd read it, and I'd see, wow, look at this. It's not good stuff, but it's characteristic of the culture of the world today. Now I read that thing, and there's nothing that misses. That is the characteristic of the culture all the way from the first to the, to the end. And I don't really want to go through that right now, what those things are, but it's, you know, just, it's the one that talks about they'll be disobedient and not go with authority and a lot of very negative things. And that's what their culture is right now. They'll call good evil and evil good. Uh, but it talks about, and the reason I mention it is it is the last days. It is the last days. How long the last days are asked? Last, I don't know. I know we've been in that season for a couple thousand years, but it really truly is lining up to be the last days. And it's a good thing and a bad thing and a good thing. The good thing is it says in the last days he's going to pour out his spirit on all men, men, women, children, everybody. I find that very good news. I love that news. I'm excited about that news. The first person, prophetic person, uh, I really saw have that word for us was John Wimber. And he taught equipping the saints. He he taught about uh, that the ministry is for the people to do. And the ministry is found in the streets. He said a lot of different things like that because he pressed us to a place that we're all supposed to minister. His opinion, my opinion too, is that leadership is supposed to train up people to minister. Train up people to become the ministers of the gospel. That's the call that, that, that leadership has. And if you've been around here, you know that's what we believe and that's what we work in. Actually, how our direction of our churches derived is from the people rather than just me. So the prophecy, pour out my spirit on all, is here. I, my daughter's filled with the spirit, was filled with the spirit at seven years old, spoke in tongues at then. It's, it's here. It's that time. It's coming even more and more in the season right now. There's also men who spoke about uh, uh, a nameless, faceless generation. That's also coming into being. Nameless, faceless generation. That's good news. Because it's not about one person doing anything. It's about his people taking their place, which God has designed them to do and has a heart for them to do. That's what it's about. I love that. I love that as we grow. The hardest thing I find is helping people go do that. You know, last week we talked about uh, some of the things that uh, some pastors have fallen and, and, and different things like that. And it's a sad thing. It really is. First Samuel, we went through last week, First Samuel 8, 5 through 9. And the thing that we ran across that stuck out the most is the people, when they called out for a king, they said they wanted a king because they wanted to be like everyone else. And they said they wanted someone else to fight their fights. You know, uh, and God gave them what they asked. They gave them a Saul, you know, and that was the thing that didn't work out too good for Israel. 
And that's the same thing as what has happened with us today. We've called out for assaults in life. We've called out for the people that are taller than everyone else, look better than everyone else. But God wants to give us the Davids. There's a Saul and a David in each every every one of us. Remember, I always talked about that Indian man, uh, uh, medicine man that says, you know, I have two wolves, and he says, which is stronger? And he says, which one I feed the most? Remember? Well, it's the same thing with this. You're going to feed the Saul in you. You're going to feed this David in you. Which one are you going to choose to feed? Because they both dwell in us. That Saul is the outward thing. Saul is kind of representative of the outward. Adornment, uh, uh, the flash, the beauty, the stuff that a lot of us see and a lot of us are called to. The David's inward thing. He was in a hiding place for a long time. He was, he was with the sheep. He grew up with the sheep. He learned how to fight the battles. He developed his intimacy with the Lord when he was out there in the middle of nowhere with no one else around, no one looking at him. And he learned how to hear God then. And he learned how to fight the lions and destroy them. As he says, he took them and killed them with his bare hands. He learned those things in the quiet. He learned them with no one else around, no one else seeing them. Because he took the call that God called in his life and was brought to that place of manhood and strength and power. See, that's the thing that's offered to you and I. All of us, we're a pretty prophetic area here that we talk a lot about the prophetic gifts and everything. And one thing we know about the prophetic gifts is that they're always invitations. They're not sure things. When some prophet comes and speaks to you and speaks a word, most of the time I don't see those words coming to being. Most of the ones I see. And from good prophetic people. Sometimes it's because a prophetic person picks up on the soul of a person. Sometimes they get right on and the people just don't take the steps to get there. It does you no good to have a word with not getting there. All it is is you found out that when you get up to heaven, it's not well done then. You didn't do so well. You didn't make the mark that you were called to make. Well, we want you to make that mark, and I believe that's everything in us is that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help you get to that place that God's called you to be. A powerful thing. A powerful thing to be used by God. A powerful thing. Well, how, how do we get there? That's the thing. The first thing I'm going to tell you is that you have to take the steps when you learn them, the very first steps, and you have to choose to do those things. Most of us don't. Most of us write it down on a piece of paper if we're good, or take the recording and file it, or some of us don't even do that, and I, I can come to that list. And we don't pray those things into being. We don't begin to take those steps to become the person that God called us to be. Well, in this last days, pouring out the Spirit on all people, it's because he designs an army of believers, not one or two people to carry the rest, not one or two fighting guys, not a champion like you see in the Old Testament. You saw champions that would, you know, you, you, Samson was a champion. He'd go out there and thousand Philistines, you know, take them out. God, you know, those glory days of the, the, of the person being just lifted up, I don't think it's the days of today. He wants a na- nameless, faceless generation to do his work. That's what he's looking for. Because he has a heart for all of us. A while back, I talked to you about the degrees of relationship that God calls us into. What I actually said is, and I talked about it, was the love of God has for us. And I said to you that when you got saved, God called you a servant. You know, you got saved. He bought you at a price and you became a servant of Christ. And that was a good thing. And if you lived your whole life that way, it would be a good thing. You're a servant of God. 
And there's a type of love that a servant has for his master and a master has his servant. And that's a great thing. But he was much greater than that with us. And he called us his friend. And in a friendship, there's the same thing. There's a different level of relationship and love in a friend, more than a servant. Never left the servant. The servant's always there. Now he's, he's just added thing, the friend. And then he called a, uh, the, a brother or daughter. Family, in other words. There's a different level of love in that as well. There's a different level of relationship in that. There's the sonship, which is even higher. And then the last is called the bride of Christ. These are great things. That's a great thing. But not only is talking about love, and I talked about the love and the relationship part, it also speaks of something different. It speaks of calls to who we become. In other words, it's not just about relationships. It's about authority and calling. You know, when you're a servant, there's a certain level of calling. It's just to, you know, obey your father. And you just... And we're always there, and we're always called to that. And when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he says, I only do what I see my Father in heaven do. But it was his Father. But there's something on a servant that's different from a son. There's something different in the way that we handle ourselves. There's something different in the way of character that's required of us. There's something different to make those steps. Most of us have, uh, many of us, I should say, in the church, I'm saying the whole church, have been satisfied to be bought at a price, and that's it. Not really want to even walk out the servant thing. But we're called for so much more than that. You know, it says that we're going to be judged by what we've been given. Not everybody will be judged the same. Some people will be up here as far as what, what they've done in the kingdom. Some will hear, some will hear. And some of them that look like way down here will really be even farther because they have a place with God where they have intercession with God that's far above anything that we get to see. They are the Davids that have been hidden out in the field and we haven't seen. And it says in the last days we're going to see some of those, that he's going to bring some of those to the forefront. And I believe there's some of you here that are those type of people that have been in the back for a long, long time that God wants to bring to the forefront. But in that process, sometimes it gets easy and you become lazy just doing something you've always done. But I think God's calling us to another step. You know, David, to become the king, he had to come when he was called. He did. He could have stayed out in the field. If he stayed out in the field, we would not have had David in there. But he had to come when God called him. And we have to, too. We have to be willing to move out of that place of a servanthood to a friend and friend to a family member and family member to son and to son to bride. A bride speaks of co-heirs with Christ. Big call. I don't think he's just going to pop us into that. I think he's going to cause us to grow. Everything I know about the nature of God is not the easy way. He seems to have the ability to find the hardest way to do everything. <laughs> because why? The byproduct of character is what he's interested in developing. You know, I took a look at what Jesus was about. You know, we look at Jesus, we look at the ministries, we see the miraculous healings. We see the unbelievable words of knowledge. And we see, we see all these great miracles and, and power during his ministry. But you know where you don't see that? At the cross. You cannot find for me one, I don't think, one miracle around the cross. Matter of fact, so much so that when, when he came in an encounter with, uh, with the high priest, 
uh, Cyphus, I can't pronounce the name, uh, Cyphus, Caiaphas, that's it. He didn't know who he was. The words of knowledge weren't working. Why? What carried the man through? Character. When you see at the cross, in that process of the cross, there's only one thing there. Now, cross, of course, was the greatest test of all time. It was his call on his life. Everything in his life built up for that particular time because it wasn't the miracles that saved you and I. It wasn't the healing and the words of knowledge that saved you and I, and it won't save anybody else. It's the cross. His call was not complete without his character. The character is what God wants to develop in you. The character is what carried him through the cross. The character has caused him to do what he was called to do. If he did not have the character, you and I would not be here in church today. There would be nothing to talk about. Because he would have said later, why should I? Why? It doesn't work for my personal good. It's not what really works for me. It doesn't really happen real well for me. No. But it was the character and the love of God that was developed there. You see, the part of serving God, obeying God, doing what you hear your father say, and like David did, not operating before God, but waiting for God to bring things into being. That type, that process was the thing that Jesus learned. And in that process, his character developed. In that process, that character carried him to the cross and through. That you and I have redemption. That's why, you know, I've, I've wrestled for many, many years over all the super gifted people. Jesus was super gifted, too, so I'm not going to talk against super gifting. But the super gifted people without the character falls to the ground, doesn't it? You know, the old, the old saying about new wine for new wineskins is a very interesting scripture. And the idea of a new wineskin, obviously, is a couple things. One, there's a new pressing of grapes, and the other is a new kill of an animal that can hold it. And it says if you have an old wineskin and pour new wine into it, it'll split and fall to the ground. And what I believe it's saying there is, is if you don't allow God to bring death in your life and develop the character in you, I don't care how much of the presence of God is poured out in you, it's going to fall to the ground. We really recently saw that. We saw one of the many, many embarrassments in the kingdom. And believe me, any one of us can fall. Any one of us can fall. Every one of us can fall. We all do. <laughs> to one degree or another. And probably the biggest sin of all is to think you can't. <laughs> it's the one you'll probably have short-lived. I remember when I was an early Christian, and I really, if the Lord said to do it, the Bible said to do it, I did it, it was easy. Nothing stopped me. Nothing. I said to the Lord, I just don't see how people fall. Did not make it the weekend. <laughs> I really didn't. Did not make it the weekend without falling. That was a very, very good lesson. And he did it actually very nicely where I didn't get in really bad trouble. But I saw how weak I really am. So that was a character-building moment. Because I found out my weakness. Character is knowing that you don't have the strength to make it on your own. That's also part of character. So God wants to develop the character. He wants us to move from those different things of servant, friend, brother, sister, son, bride. And he wants us to come in character, authority, and all those things are different callings in our lives. You know, when it says that, uh, uh, you know, 
when someone gets married, they say, I do. They don't necessarily do <laughs> when they say it. Their lives don't always have follow that. But that's what ours is to follow. When we said yes to the Lord, we died to ourselves and we became, and we we're in process of being married to Christ. And we can be as many people that break our vows uh, in marriage life, but we can also break our vows with God. The, the vow with God is that I'm going to serve you. I'm, I'm going to love you. I'm going to allow you to have control of my life, to change and do the things you want in my life, that I would become everything you've called me to be. Powerful thing. We have, we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to move on to that. Now, Jesus, I mean, we look at him. We look at the model of him. Here you have Jesus. Now, if I was to write this story, and if, I was, if, it, was, if it was the control of me, I would have the king of kings come in as king of kings. I really would. I wouldn't do it the hard way. I wouldn't have him come in that the only person that saw him was the people who were anointed to see him, that, that, that chose to listen to him. But God chose that. He chose, and he also chose not only to make him one that, that was not noticeably as king and not in a position of king, he also made him not, from our understanding, that unusual looking. He was common looking, they say, and he wasn't real tall. He was normal, average height. He came and lived in Nazareth. And there's a saying there, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. He lived in a house that was ordinary. Parents were ordinary. There's every single thing about Jesus was ordinary, except what was on the inside. That wasn't ordinary. That obviously is a type for us. Jesus is our supreme Example. Now, I love David. David is, is one that we're going to do a character study somewhere along the way because I think he is, other than Jesus, probably one of the most profound examples in the scriptures of, of what God's looking for and the things of God. You know, and he has some bad examples, which makes us a lot more comfortable. <laughs> Jesus did. It was perfect all the way through. We, we see that and we know that because of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But so we had Jesus that had the character, the things on the inside that made him great. He had, he had the, uh, allowed the character to grow. And, and if we take a study of Jesus, we'll see all the way through his life there's character times that he was tested in the things that, that he was to do. Therefore, when the big test come, he was able to take it and pass that test. You're tested every day. You're tested with your commitments to the Lord, your commitments to your family, your commitments to this church, your commitments everywhere. And you're tested to see if you'll carry through. You're, you're tested when you're in, in private of your home, you're on your computer, if you're a guy or even a girl too, what you're you going to look at there. You're tested on a continual basis. Sometimes you'll fail, sometimes you'll make it. If the pattern is, is you're always failing, God says your seed, his seed's not in you. Somebody else's seed's in you. You better get the other one out. But... If you have the thing, and though you fail here and there, you're continually growing, becoming who you're called to be. You're moving up that ladder of taking the challenges of what, who's, who's God called you to be and the different levels of character that you find. Obviously, a, a, a full, mature adult has a lot more character than a child, and that's what God expects with us, develop this into that, much more character. Now, the... The charismatic thing, the thing that we always look for, the character things, 
outweighs those things so much. And it's evident in the scriptures that's what God looks for. Man called out for something to look one way. He let him have his way. God will let you have your way. God will give you what you ask for often, even if it's not good for you. If you ask hard enough and long enough. But if you're wise, you won't. If you're wise, you'll learn to accept what God has to give for you because he has a plan for you that's far better than your own. Now, the problem with that, you really have to believe that God's a good God to walk that out. If you have your questions whether he's good and you think you have to fight for your own good and your own rights, you're going to miss all the way. That's why the first time we started here at Breakpoint was how good God is and the goodness of God and to look at him as good and how he really can't stand to be called anything else but good. But he wants that character thing. That's the thing he has designed your life to be. That's why we find all the way through our lives, especially lately, harder tests than you've ever had tested before. We're in a series of time of testings that are very difficult. They're not like they've been in the past. I've been Christian 35 years. Much harder tests today than I did a few years ago or a few years before that or a few years before that. Why? Because he's calling me to a higher place and you to a higher place. And he wants to pour his presence out. Now, if God is a God who wants to pour his uh, presence out on all people and he wants a nameless, faceless generation of servants, you know, that doesn't look at one person who can easily fall when they get up there. I don't know hardly any person that's got a high ranking that hasn't fallen. But if he wants one where it looks, where he can look at his people and say, wow, I see God, then he's going to have to refine you. He's going to have to change you. He's going to have to call you to a character. But the thing is, we want someone else, just like it talks about something. We always want someone else to do for us rather than fight the battles ourselves. We've always been open for that. We always want, and I've got to say, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else. I, somebody wants to do something work, I'll let them do it. You know? But we can't anymore. Oh, it's not working, is it? Okay, good. Okay, so, but we can't do that. We have to take our place. We have to choose to take our place now. It's no longer anymore waiting around for someone else to do it. It's no, more, it's no longer this thing of just being, uh, I won't spend this much time in prayer. I won't do much of this. Uh, you know, I got this, my life to do. We have to be a people that make the first thing choices. Now, Karen did the, the, the offering today. And the offering, the tithe is a very interesting thing. It says the first fruits of your day. The tithe, I believe, is supposed to be your finances, your time, you know, uh, every single part of your life. What has of all your life is offered first. And what it does is it establishes something in you. It establishes God first. Establishes in your finances, establishes it in, 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 in your time with God, and it sets the real. I, now, people tell me, you know, I can't take the first time in the morning. And I guess there are some people that God does things differently. He doesn't do, always do everything the same. But my experiences with them is if you don't take the first time in your morning, you'll end up paying for it later. Just like if you take and keep money from uh, God, he ends up having things break and things go wrong where it costs you. And then you can have a real hard time doing it. Well, same thing I find with my time. If I start my time off in the morning and I give it to God... Things go quicker. Things go better. I have more ability 
to spend the time and take care of the other things. But if I don't, if I take my time to myself or go do something else, get distracted, what happens is I just never get around to anything to the full degree that I should. So we have to do the things first. So first step in the thing, I think, is, is that we have to declare to ourselves that we're going to take God seriously and do what he says and not rewrite the scriptures. Give God the first of your life. Money, time, uh, everything. And you, I think that what you have to do is make a choice that today you're going to serve him. Today, from here on out, and you may make a mistake in the future, but then you have to redeclare it, that today I'm going to serve him from here on out at a full run towards God. Not a halfway, not a partway, but a full run for God. Because if you want to make it through the trials that God are bringing ahead, and if we truly do have these trials that I think that are coming, uh, uh, the tornadoes I talk about. Uh, how many of you got JP's uh, partner's letter? Quite a few. But the partner's letter is very interesting. It talks about a perfect storm that's coming in this last days, and it's coming pretty soon, where it talks about it's going to hit religiously, it's going to hit economically, it's going to hit geophysically, you know, uh, uh, politically and, and war, a five-fold thing that will be coming one after another after another. And the Scriptures talks about that great deception that's coming, and that pe- very few people make it. Who do you think would make it through that deception? The people that have the character that God established them. God will always give us a free will, and we can make a choice not to grow. We can make a choice not to listen and not become who we call to be. But if we choose to follow him, he will develop those characters in us that will carry us through. Now what I want to do is I want to give people an opportunity to just uh, 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 come before God and to ask God or rededicate themselves to God. I, I know that every one of you here, are, have got their lives towards God. But if you feel that it's not 100% towards God, if you feel that your worship towards God, which is your daily walking out of your life, is not one that gives your whole heart towards God, then what I'd like you to do, and I'm going to put on some music here because the band's not around, and I want you guys to just come up here uh, and do business with God. And again, state to God that, look, Lord, I don't care what I've done in the past, but today on out, I'm going to choose to follow you. I'm going to today on out, I'm going to choose to follow you, that you would develop the character in me to carry me through. I don't want someone else to fight my battles, and I don't want to look like the world anymore. You know, looking like the world's a... So many of us want to do that. We don't want to be too peculiar, but that's what he says we are. We are peculiar people. We are a different people. That doesn't mean being weird. It means being set aside for God and a heart for that. And if you're set aside with a heart towards God, he says if you seek after him, he'll give you what the world wants as well, which is the houses, the cars, all the other stuff as well. He'll give you those things. Obviously a paraphrased version updated one but he'll give you give you all those things because that's his heart his heart is generosity and you have to believe that so i'm going to put some music on you don't have to but if you'd like to i'd ask you to just come up and uh uh just bow a knee to god and just say lord i recommit everything in my heart towards you and i'm going to live a life with your help to the best ability that goes all the way towards you
So I'm going to put something on and we'll do that.